Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Phone Returns Weekly. This is going to be a pretty much exclusively tiny build episode. So uh, quite a couple of updates to get into. And then there was a a question I received in a, in a comment uh, or a number of questions in the in this comment uh, from a from a reader on one of my portfolio updates that I, I, I spent quite a lot of time answering. So I thought it might be an interesting for other people to to hear the the answer I gave uh, is it's, it's a common thing that I'm kind of asked or I see in in various places direct emails replies to Twitter posts comments etc so it'll be quite good to, to put it out there because it might be something that some other people are thinking about but we'll get on to that in a minute um I We'll just share my screen. Yeah, and I, when we get to that stage where we're looking at that um, Q&A, but if, if you do find it something useful, please let me know and might become a, a feature when I've got weeks that are a bit quiet um, with news. I might put in a Q&A section. So just, just let me know if it's useful. Anyway. Let's start from the top. So something that took me a little bit by surprise this week was we got a a anniversary update for Asterigos, uh, which is obviously the game released in October of last year. And um, yeah, so it's, it's received an update. And along with the update, uh, there was a daily deal it got featured on the steam homepage and the daily deal so this is taken a screenshot here is taken from the steam homepage um so 45% off deal got it on the today's daily the special offers section and um alongside this there was also a developer Q&A live stream which is shown on the store page for the for the game on steam and at the time I looked at it, I think I saw 1,767 uh, live viewers. So yeah, it was it got a good got a good viewing, um, and this was probably going on for several hours at similar similar sort of counts. So yeah, it had drawn quite a lot of attention to the game, and this was then reflected in the fact that it got up into the top 100 uh, selling games on Steam. For that day so it actually at the time i looked i caught this screenshot here when it was in 63rd place and it's also seen i think the followers have grew more than a thousand from this total as well when i look today so it's like 39,400 and something um so yeah it's, it's giving the game a nice little boost and you can see this also in the in the engagement so with the the concurrent player counts jumped up quite significantly from sort of like a baseline level, which has been sitting at, um, to now getting like the daily lows are still above 100 concurrent players and daily peaks. It's now got above 300. Um, so, yeah, really, really quite positive uh, response from fans. And and as we know, I mean, this, this game has got an 83.47% positive review ratio. So... Very well received. Um, 
yeah so that's a bit of good news for Asterogos there and they're still generating sales a year on still got a nice little boost there and I mean that's not a crazy crazy cheap um, price even though it's 45% off it's still £16.49 which is significantly more than a lot of other games uh, in the portfolio tiny but even that um even when they're full priced um so yeah very positive and i think this is also all will be across the same across consoles as well people will be able to pick it up um yeah the second thing uh update i wanted to mention is level zero so we got a announcement from the developers I'm not gonna make any bigger saying that um, the release of the game, which was intended, I think, to be in the end of this year, has been pushed back to 2024. And this is largely due to the increased scope they're giving the game following the positive reception it's received. So you can see here the following has grown quite significantly over the last year. Um talking pretty much added about 4,000 new followers from below 2,000 around this time last year. So, um, yeah, very positive. And it's currently in the top 300, so it's in 293rd place in the wishlist rankings. So, I mean, I do foresee this being a top 200 game when it comes to release, especially if we have like a, a demo released in the meantime that's well-received. And that would that would put it in at least just top two hundred. That would put it at least um one hundred k wish lists. Um, if it was sort of the top one hundred and fifty, it could be comfortably above one hundred and fifty thousand. You know, like uh, I am future or something like that. So uh, yeah, quite quite a positive outlook for this game. And I just I can just read out the update they've got here. So uh, what they actually put out as their press release. So they have said, the Level Zero team is back with a significant update. We've been close to monitoring your growing enthusiasm for our game, and we're generally flattered by the attention it's receiving. With that said, we're thrilled to announce that we're taking Level Zero to the next level beyond our original plans. To be completely transparent, refining this enhanced version of a Level Zero is taking a notable amount of time. As a result, we've made the decision to shift the game's expected release from this year to 2024. This extension allows our team to elevate the game by introducing additional features and you'll soon receive all the exciting details. We assure you that your patience will be rewarded. In the meantime, we don't we won't leave you hanging. We'll keep you engaged with occasional play tests. If you're eager to get involved and assist us in shaping the game, we invite you to join our official Discord server. We look forward to seeing you soon. So yeah, pretty good news. It's the the right kind of delay <laughs> to have. Um, yeah. So next, finally, I wanted to sort of move on to uh, a new sort of feature I've, I'm thinking to add, which, as I mentioned, Q and A section. Um, so I received a comment uh, on Saturday night from. A reader called Tim, um, and this comment was on the 
recent portfolio update where I meant where I said I was the last time I bought tiny build shares, I think on like the 29th or something. Um and uh, he raised some concerns that I I hear quite frequently. So having spent a bit quite a bit of time answering Tim's query, I thought I'd share my response. And thanks to Tim for the question. I do um I do like to see comments, questions, whatever I'm happy to answer them. Today's response is probably I went a bit above and beyond. <laughs> I, I do spend quite a lot of time answering um, questions, go into a decent amount of detail. Um, but, uh, and by the way, don't receive any, um, I, this is all, all being done for free. Um, but I, I still enjoy doing it. I'm happy to, and it makes me think more deeply about things as well. So I'm happy when people send me send me questions and and queries and so on so um let's just get into tim's question shall we so he said i'm a bit curious you seem to be very convinced that this cash bleeding company will turn around if i read their material correctly they have to either cut their development drastically which surely doesn't help their revenue growth or find new source of cash within the next 12 months I also think that their capital allocation choices are rather questionable given that they've made heavily overpriced M&A deals during a time when everything was super expensive and now they don't have any dry powder to buy anything in a world where bargains can be struck or buy back their own shares if they so believe in a long-term future. You wrote in the other article that they are well capitalized, but I think it is hard to agree to that given that they burned more cash in the last year than they have left at the moment. From their reporting, it is a bit difficult to understand whether they have spent those $16 million on developers on their own payroll, which you can't just stop paying if you want to have a future, or on software service providers, so external developers, which you can stop paying, or a mixture of both. You also write that companies like these trade on a PE on a um, 20 PE multiple. But I think you forget that in this calculation, I th but I think what you forget in this calculation is that they normally do this whilst their revenue is growing fast. That cannot be said for a company or about a company which has lost 20 to 35% of their revenue within a year. What exactly do you base your confidence on? Happy to hear your arguments. So, um, my answer to, to Tim's comment there was, first off, hi, Tim, thanks for the comment. Before I address your concerns individually, I want to preface my answers with a couple of points which might add some helpful context and perspective. Firstly, they were profitable prior to the IPO and have been self-financing their operations for many years. Capital injections from external external investors, including the 2021 IPO, have been used to accelerate growth. Not fund the implied, but there is not fund ongoing operations. Secondly, at the current price, the short-term investment case is simply that they don't go bankrupt. Even if they stabilize cash flows and reduce capex, to a maintenance level, so there was no growth, you'd likely see something like a 5x 
as net profit recovered and they returned to a very modest earning multiple. Like a 10x multiple was what I was implying there. If the market didn't respond accordingly, they could soon boost the stock price with share buybacks, which they have expressed a willingness to do once cash becomes available. So once they become free cash flow positive again. And I've said here, you might like to read this weekly update where I covered the interim results and management's forward guidance. And I'm referring to the Firmitans Weekly newsletter that went out on the 30th of September containing their interim results. Um, Tim was a new uh, sign-up, so I don't think he will have he will have received that one. Now to address your points. There are a couple of factors that have skewed the current cash flow picture. The first is the cash raised from the IPO, $46.8 million, which was subsequently invested in a very substantially expanded development pipeline containing a mix of internal and external projects. There was also a decent amount of M&A activity, which I'll touch on later. The key thing to note with the investment made in software development is that it can take two to five years for the games to be released and start producing revenue. As a result of this lag, the ramp up in software development expenses turned free cash flow negative. The second factor is the unexpected drop in development services revenue, just payments to, from di distribution platforms to list Tiny Bills games in subscription libraries, e.g. Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, um, and uh, MetaQuest, etc which had grown to be around 30% of revenue over the last few years. And if you go back before 2020, it was basically zero. The company had evidently factored revenue from development services into their cash flow projections, and the subsequent drop has meant they're having to wind back some of their software development expenditure to rebalance cash flows. Um. And yeah, I didn't mention it here, but there is, as I've said before, um, there's an you'll see an initial dip from here um, as they've lost this these revenues. But it's not all the end of the road because it does uh, if they don't have games listed on Game Pass and various other platforms uh, in their subscription services, then they can be sold, still be sold directly to consumers, and you're not cannibalizing that revenue. You're not capping the upside you could get for really successful titles so it kind of uh i guess removes the floor but it also removes the ceiling so um yeah you're not going to get like a minimum revenue for a game as, as it gets put on these subscription services but you're also not going to have um a cap which is really the case um if people why would people pay for the game if they can subscribe for, if they're already subscribing to these things when there are millions of subscribers to these uh, subscription services and they can get the game uh, for free in that in that library. So with, with regards to the next 12 months, that's what um, Tim mentioned, management has, st has stated their clear intention to keep cash between 10 and $20 million this year and maintain this level in 2024, implying the company will be free cash flow break even. I calculate what operating cash flow will need to be 
in H2 2023 to make this happen in the update linked above. They also stated very clearly in their recent earnings call that they can ramp up or down development expenditure whenever they like. And I put a little thing in brackets here to addressing um, Tim's other point about the distribution of uh, between services, uh, sorry, between how much of development expenditure is on internal studios and external, and therefore whether they'd have to um, lay people off effectively to in order to cut back spending or, or not. Um, and what I've said here is, while they have several internal studios, e.g. Holograph, uh, which is the studio working on Sand and Secret Neighbor and so on, a lot of development is done by external studios. Though they don't want to go overboard in cutting back, as this would impact revenue, as you suggest. Total CapEx for 2023 is expected to be around the same as 2022, circa $35 million, and might come down a little next year to match expected operating cash flows, maybe $30 million. So drastic cuts should not be necessary. A quick drink. To address your well-capitalized point, they currently have a net cash position which they intend to maintain. During the earnings call, Jazz, the CFO, directly addressed concerns around whether they'd use debt to fund software development expenditure. They intend to entirely self-finance CapEx from their operating cash flows and will cut back if revenues fall below their expectations. The $35 million credit facility they have in place was only ever intended to finance an unmissable M&A opportunity, but thus far, such an opportunity has not arisen. Prices for private market acquisitions haven't come down to match the public markets yet. So that also addresses Tim's other point around um, dry powder to buy anything and uh, in a world where bargains can be struck. It doesn't sound like those bargains are uh, available right now. But technically, they do have the dry powder if there was a unmissable opportunity. That's what the credit facility is for. Um, so it's not that opportunity has not yet arisen, and their efforts are focused on their internal pipeline at the moment, which consists of 50-plus projects. And the fifth, those 50 projects, it's not just all new games in there. There's also um, combination of things like porting games to consoles, new DLCs for games, and um, also that will include multimedia things as well, like the animated series and other efforts they might have underway. Um, on your capital allocation point, it's worth bearing in mind that a large component of the consideration paid for those acquisitions consisted of tiny build shares, which were trading at a very elevated level at the time, north of £2 per share for many of them. I think it was like £2.50 or more for some of them as well. So, Meaning they arguably got quite a good deal 
Um, yeah, because the the logic here being, uh, if you've got expensive shares, you you those are a, a better currency to use than cash because you're giving shareholders a much um, better value for uh, for money there because of the the fact that your shares are overpriced. Um, and this is it's effectively the the same logic, but in reverse that you'd have for doing a buyback when your shares are cheap. If your shares are expensive, you should use them to to buy things because they're they're worth more than the actual um, portion of the company that they they give up when you give them out. Um, transactions were also structured with a large contingent consideration component where payment is dependent on certain performance thresholds being met. In several cases, underperformance has resulted in contingent payments not being made, most notably the versus evil slash red Cerberus, where circa one mil- uh, 11 million, sorry, circa $11 million of contingent consideration was written off and goodwill written off as well uh, to match. Um, and as I've mentioned before, there is some a legal claim uh, underway currently because of that uh, that write-off from the um, sellers of, of versus evil, the prior owners. In terms of the quality of acquisitions, they have, in aggregate, been pretty good. Some of their highest potential IP was acquired, e.g. Streets of Rogue and Deadside. The price paid for Streets of Rogue is looking particularly attractive given the wishlist ranking of Streets of Rogue 2 and high potential for expansion of the IP into a multimedia franchise. See the animated trailer. See how the animated trailer was received, for example. And Streets of Rogue 2, for context, is in the top 100 most wishlisted games on Steam. And I think it's now a a record for them on most wishlisted game they've they've ever had on steam so very high potential i think it from memory it was it was i think less than five million total it might have been significantly less i think uh, the initial upfront payment was maybe like i'm I'm just doing this baby from memory one to one and a half million something like that there was some contingent consideration beyond there but obviously you know if it does if the game does very well then it more than pays the contingent consideration so um so yeah it's working out i think that one has the potential to work out very well not to mention the just the ongoing sales of the first game um so in general tiny builds has had a pretty good acquisition record when acquire hiring ip flash development studios um where they would acquire the ip and then sort of contract out the uh, bring on board the development studios and they've they've been given shares from the acquisition of the IP as well. So they're kind of aligned with the company. So not sure how much that alignment works when the share price gets so depressed as it is now, but um they're still obviously paid salaries and in um and probably bonuses and what have you kind of stuff depending on the success of the game. So it's not like they're fully reliant on the shares doing well. Um but doing this with share with studios uh, with which they have worked before, so and most of the acquisitions they've done to this point uh, fit this fit this mold. 
Um, Dead Side is a bit of an exception, though. I believe they knew the developers despite not having worked with them. So I think they'd moved in similar circles and had uh, known them for a while before they went through it. And it was a game uh, genre that they were very familiar with as well, uh, not having made one before, but uh, having played them a lot. Um, the biggest error they've made with M&A was versus evil slash red Cerberus, where they had no working relationship and underestimated how difficult it would be to alter the culture and shift the publisher towards an own IP model. Management has been very open and transparent about their mistake here. And as mentioned above, the structure of the transaction helped protect tiny build from the studio's subsequent underperformance. However, Versus Evil does have a number of high potential titles releasing in the next couple of months, most notably Broken Roads, which I believe is something like uh, in the top 140 games, which made wishes to games on Steam, which means probably uh, north of 150,000 wishlists, um, which means we could see some positive contribution in H2. There's also Stray Souls, which I think around about the 400 mark in the wishlist, maybe slightly um, above that now. And then um, Lil Guardsman and uh, Tamrak Trail, I think, are the other two major ones. Um, but yeah, Broken Roads and Stray Souls probably been the two highest potential there. On the 20PE comment, their revenue has historically grown very rapidly. The drop in development services revenue is a short-term headwind, but the size of their pipeline, sorry, but with the size of their pipeline, I expect to see growth, expect growth to resume again relatively soon, at which point we'll likely see multiple expansion and a change in sentiment to match. The current dip has, in my view, created a phenomenal buying opportunity with very large asymmetry. As long as the company doesn't go bankrupt, it's pretty well all upside. Finally, to address the question of confidence, mine has three key aspects. Firstly, that they will balance cash flows and not allow the business to fail. This is backed up by Alex, the CEO's very substantial insider ownership of 37.8%, which I believe constitutes a large portion of his overall wealth. Most of his wealth was generated through building the company up to where it is today. Beyond this, there is also the welfare of the employees, which the company has demonstrated it values highly, as we've seen with the relocation efforts uh, during the uh, the war in Ukraine. Secondly, their strong publishing capabilities demonstrated by numerous successful releases which allow them to maximize the return on their high potential IP. So uh, recent examples, Iron Future and Punch Club 2, both are very successful releases. 
um previously potion craft uh, was one that they published very well earlier hello neighbor games um obviously uh, all the actual examples of that as well um with some of their highly successful games but yeah it's all um it just those are sort of standout ones of particularly high potential ip and we've got quite a few high potential titles uh coming out relatively soon we've got a few next year level zero as, as we mentioned streets of road two next year it's a really big one um quite a few that we might uh, have as well we've got a few uh titles maybe not quite as high potential but still still looking uh the publishing you can really see the impact of the publishing like um slime 3k the sort of spin-off game of uh despos um game which is their recent um marketing efforts and the steam next festival appearance a demo everything like that have really dramatically increased the game's prospects and brought it into something like um i believe into the close to top 700 or something like that and before it was just over a thousand in the wish list ranking it's really brought up and the over and it's now close to sort of 1,600 followers or something like that from pretty much nothing to a really good uh, bit of momentum and it's still and it's the trajectory for the follower counts is, is still a very very steep um, so we could we could be looking at getting to a um, pretty nice it's still going to be probably you know tens of thousands of copies sold I think not in the hundreds or in the first million but for a game that looks relatively um, relatively low low budget um and uh and it's, yeah it's like a spin-off from the previous game it, i mean it looks like we could it's 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 a good it's a good result from that similarly Criticove has had great sort of um push from developers uh, sorry from the publishers to and developers have been involved with that process as well uh, to help marketing and so on it's driving quite a bit of engagement um following uh same thing with um yeah well yeah it, let me say we've also got something things like i think raw men might come out next year as well so that's a game that's kind of been on a bit of the back burner in terms of the publishing but i think they really prioritize and push things in the last few months because that's really where the uh wish lists are most crucial those those will be driving building up the wish list in the last few months is really where you get the the best sort of conversion there uh, but obviously good to get a really good groundwork laid <laughs> and we might i would expect something like a, a pretty good demo to be coming out for something like streets of rogue 2 uh, the next year as well um and maybe participation in steam next fest early next year or something and i'm not sure exactly when the they'll release the full game but all the the early access version of the game which is what's going to come out first but yes yeah, it's, it's all they've they have a strong track record for getting it for publishing and really driving engagement and and maximizing the success of high potential titles and even just maximizing the success of games that um a little more niche like the slime 3k maybe and stuff like that um just being able to get them to a 
get them out there in front of in front of people and draw an audience. And like the um, another example being the first Punch Club game, which they knew would be a game people would enjoy and be a good game, but wasn't really drawing any uh, real engagement. Um, wasn't drawing people in to to follow and wish this and so on. And so they uh, did the fairly ingenious um, marketing tactic of uh, of doing the and I think unique at the time. I think they were the first company to ever try this of doing the getting Twitch to play it um, through the text and so on. So very innovative with their marketing efforts and so on. And um, yeah, and I, I just think overall, real strong and the porting capabilities and everything else. It's a very strong thing for the company. Um, and then thirdly, I, I just to say, I mean, just to finish on that as well, if you don't have that strong publishing capability, then it doesn't matter how high potential your IP is, you're not going to really maximize the um, profit you get from it and the exploitation and so on. Um, and I think as well along those same, it still fits within, I guess, the same publishing arm as well. They've got the ability to do a cross media now as well. They've got uh, links with animation studios, which they've been doing with the Hello Neighbor series, which has been well received and is, I think, boosting overall engagement um, with the rest of the franchise. They have the graphic novels they released for that as well that sold over 4 million copies. And I, I think the same kind of um, toolbox could be used and same um, ideas could be used for something like Streets of Rogue, um, which has the potential, I think, that they should, the engagement we saw with the animated trailer for that game really showed the potential there um this that could be another one that really spins off into multiple um spins off into multiple media it goes across across media and 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 really just in, builds its own builds its own franchise as well so yeah definitely strong capabilities there and thirdly their reputation and strong relationships with developers built through initiatives such as the DevGam conferences that allows them to source new high potential IP. So of course they have the existing IP they have, but they wouldn't have been able to get that if they hadn't had these strong relationships with the developers and going forward to generate new IP. Um, they obviously can do us now they have their own internal studios. Um, they will be able to generate a certain amount internally like sand is an entirely internally generated game from holograph um but they're also going to want to supplement this with new ip which they can use to diversify and just gives them a better selection gives them higher probability of success being able to pick up ip from externally as well have access to all these developers and so Having relationships with developers where they want them to publish their IP gives them a much better selection to choose from. Um, and yeah, just, just overall improves the chance of success there. So I think those three three key aspects are what I think give me confidence uh, in the company. Um, yeah, and obviously in the short term, the most crucial one is that they kind of balance the cash flows and not allow the business to fail. Cause that's your, that's your downside. Um, then it the coverage there if, if they do it. Um, but then the other ones are what give you the, the potential 
major upside if they're able to keep delivering and and growing the company. But anyway, um, hopefully that answers Tim's question and anybody else that uh, had similar similar questions along those lines, having looked at the companies or what I've been putting out there as well. So yeah, like I say, let me know if this is of interest. If if um, Q and A, a bit of Q and A, so this I do get quite a lot of questions, and if I I could start picking out ones that uh, might be interesting or have have good answers, um, or good questions, and uh, had to go fairly in depth with the answers and so on, they might be might be good candidates for add into this feature at the end as well. So but let me know if you like that. And uh, yeah, and if you do have any questions you want to give me, um, yeah, feel free to comment on articles like this, like the weekly updates like this one, or in the um on the on the site or uh YouTube. Probably better to fill a longer yeah, I don't think there's really any word limit on as you can see here. I've gone very in depth here. I don't I think YouTube has a fairly strict word limit. So if you want to ask a longer question Send it to me an email, comment on the on the website, um, which anybody can do as long as they log in, uh, which is all free and everything, or uh, on Twitter or something like that. But again, you're limited, so you can you can send me a direct message on Twitter or something as well if that's all your flavour. All right, I'm going to end it there. So I'll see you all next week for another update.